With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm beginning to think the goal of Adam Gase and Joe Douglas was to force this team into being sellers at the trade deadline. We're talking about that and more on the Brandon Contest Jets podcast right now. Contest, I am a contest. You better like me. I'm from Patchog. All righty, nice job with the free music as always, YouTube. You're listening to the Brandon Contest Jets podcast on SB Nation. Episode 13 of my first ever sports podcast where we keep it simple, we keep it short. Never more than 20 minutes. If I have more to say, I just put it in another podcast. But the trade deadline came and went for the National Football League. Leonard Williams is gone. Good riddance. Jamal Adams and Le'Veon Bell are still here. And the Jets have some damage control to do, at least to get them through the rest of the season. Because Bell and Adams, the Jets' two most dynamic players on offense and defense, they will not be here next season. I'm very confident of that, that Bell and Adams will not be on the Jets roster at the start of next year. And, and I want to I want to start quickly with the Jaguars game. I have a couple of things I want to mention. We're not going to get in depth in there, but I want to mention a few things before jumping back to the trade deadline. And at 7-7 in Jacksonville, after Darnold threw the touchdown pass to tie the game up right in the first quarter, and you're thinking, you know what? Maybe Sam Darnold is bouncing right back from what was the disastrous performance against the New England Patriots on Monday Night Football. Maybe he is going to rebound. Maybe he is going to show us something. Maybe him and Adam Gaser are going to show improvement on what was an embarrassing loss less than a week ago when Darnold threw four interceptions and was turned the ball over five times. So then the Jets quickly stop the Jaguars on defense. They get the ball back around midfield. They have fantastic field position. Darnold quickly hits Griffin for 15 yards. Now you're thinking at least you get a field goal at minimum. You get a field goal, even if they even if they can't advance the ball any further, even if the offense gets completely stuck right there. Minimum, they're getting a field goal. They go up 10-7 in the first quarter. But Darnold throws an interception. Minshew gets the ball, 70-yard touchdown pass. Boom, away we go. Game, set, match. It's 14-7. They're down by a touchdown. The Jets are playing catch-up against the Jaguars, which is something that the Jets' offense is not capable of doing against any team in the league. It, it doesn't matter. They can't play catch-up. I don't care if it's against the Dolphins next week. They cannot play catch-up. This offense is not good enough to come back on anybody. It's just not capable of it. But don't worry. The head coach will tell us that it's just part of the process. No big deal. I've got everything under control. This is this is how we're supposed to look at this point in the season. This is this is the way everything is supposed to go. This is how we're getting better. I mean, that's that's part of the process. It, it's 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 not fun. It's not fun. I mean, yeah. I mean, I wish I wish I could say yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent that we should be, you know, executing at a higher level, but we're not right now. And we have to, we have to, nobody's pulling us out of this. Like, we have to do it. We have to go back to practice. We have to go in our meetings. We have to make sure that we're, we're getting better every day. And we just, we have to do it. Like, nobody else is coming to save us. Oh, good. Part of the process. Part of the process to be one and six. Part of the process for Sam Darnold to look skittish. Part of the process for Darnold to, to have the worst two games of his career back to back and, and throw seven interceptions in less than a week. That's all part of the process, that everything is fine, that this is the way the offense is supposed to be trending right now in this direction. 
Sam Darnold is playing skittish. Sam Darnold is playing scared. He's scared in the pocket. He's playing not to get hit. He's not playing to win. He's not playing to make plays. He's more concerned about getting hit in the pocket. He's more concerned about the offensive line collapsing and getting hit. Even when he's running outside of the pocket, he looks like he's running for his life. Even in the fourth quarter, when the Jets scored that touchdown, to when, when Darnold hit Griffin in the end zone to, to get it back to a one-score game, he was getting out, he, he was rolling left, he, but he, you saw he had happy feet long before the pocket was even collapsing. It, it wasn't terrible c- protection on that play, but Darnold saw, he saw the rush coming at him. Even though the offensive line picked it up a little bit, he saw the rush and he's like, I, I'm getting the hell out of here. <laughs> I'm not I'm not trusting that my line could, could stop these guys. I, I'm, I'm getting out. And yes, he happened to roll out and hit Griffin for a touchdown, but you saw a quarterback that looked petrified to try to make a play. What is Sam Darnold right now? I think at the beginning of the year, we were all confident that he was a franchise quarterback. I don't think we were 100% sure, but we were pretty damn close to 100% sure that Sam Darnold was going to be a a franchise quarterback and be here for the next 10, 15 years and lead them to playoffs and who knows, maybe even lead them to a Super Bowl. And while we were almost positive that he was a franchise quarterback heading into this season, the one thing that we needed to see this year. The one thing that we absolutely needed to walk away from this season with was saying that Sam Darnold is 100% a franchise quarterback, that there are no more doubts about it, that any any concerns that we may have had, that now Sam Darnold, we know for sure after watching him play in Adam Gase's system, after watching the two of them, their first year together, year two of Sam Darnold, that he is a franchise quarterback, that he stepped forward and, and threw 25 to 30 touchdown passes and threw around 4,000 yards, and had the the QBR of 95-plus. That That's the type of season that we wanted to see from Darnold in year two. And we are so, so far away from that. He has taken so many steps backwards, two giant step backwards in the way that he, he played against the Jaguars and the way that he played against the Patriots before that. That now, no matter what he does for the rest of the year, those there's going to be concerns about him going forward in the following year and, and into year three of his career, football career. But bigger than that, my biggest concern now is what does Adam Gase think of Sam Darnold? What does Joe Douglas think of Sam Darnold? Because it's one thing for us fans to be questioning our quarterback, because even if we see him put together a few games the second half of the season, we, we saw Geno Smith do that. That doesn't mean Geno Smith is a franchise quarterback. Every quarterback in the league, whether you're a starter, you're a backup, a first-round draft pick, a seventh-round draft pick, an undrafted free agent that gets signed to a team, every single quarterback in this league is capable of putting together a couple of weeks where they look like they are a legitimate starting quarterback in this league. Every single one. Pat Shermer made Case Keenum look like a star quarterback in this league when he was with the Vikings. But when you see backup quarterbacks step in and look like star quarterbacks, and then you see the regression that Sam Darnold has had in the last two weeks, it is startling. It's frightening to see Sam Darnold throw seven interceptions in the span of two games, in the span of less than a week, to try to to bounce back from the, the performance against New England where he threw four picks and turned the ball over five times, and then to come back against Jacksonville and throw three more picks? And I know the offensive line is bad right now. I, this might be hit historically bad offensive line for the the Jets. The 13 hits on Darnold against the Jaguars. Eight sacks, which, by the way, Josh Allen, who the Jets could have had over Quinn and Williams, already has seven sacks on the year, while Quinn and Williams has half a sack. Half a sack compared to seven, and that's who we end up with. Quinn and Williams, who was being compared to Reggie White in the offseason, yet he comes to the Jets, and he has half a sack in half a season. 
So I know Mike McCagnan did a brutal job of drafting with this team, which is something that Joe Douglas has now inherited. I know the offensive line is abysmal. It is historically bad that we're asking Sam Darnold to get behind under center and play behind this line. But you know what? A big-time quarterback, a franchise quarterback, and a, a offensive genius of a head coach, they got to find a way. They, they got to figure out a way to use Le'Veon Bell better. They got to figure out a way to get Darnold a little bit more time. They got to figure out a way to take advantage of the strengths that this team has because there are some strengths on this team. We're just not seeing it in the game planning from the head coach. And I, I know Sam Darnold is, is not Aaron Rodgers. I, I know he's not what Andrew Luck was with the Colts. I, I know he's not Russell Wilson. But was it was it so too much for me to, to hope that maybe he could have been a top five quarterback in this league? Was was it too much to ask that a guy that was a, a can't-miss prospect at USC, a guy that was a can't-miss quarterback in the draft, that the Jets somehow ended up with him, was it too much to ask that maybe he could turn into a top five quarterback? And just right now in year two, I don't, I don't see how that's possible. But a top five quarterback, a guy with that type of talent, Russell Wilson would figure out a way to make plays even when the offensive line is as bad as the Jets' offensive line is, even when the playmakers are doing nothing to help. you got to still figure out a way to be better than what you've been. you you got to figure out a way to get some sort of – I can't put this all on the offensive line. I can't put it all on the head coaching. As bad as Adam Gase has been, I can't put it all on him. There's plenty of blame to go around, and Sam Darnold absolutely deserves some of that. Let's take a quick break right here on the Brandon Contest Jets podcast. We're back after this. I had no problem with the Chris Johnson comments at the, the Jaguars game to the Jets fan where, where the fan had commented that he showed up all the way from New York to attend the game, and Johnson's response was, let's hope the team shows up, or something along those lines. But, but I, I'm surprised at how many people are complaining about that as if it's something so demoralizing to the team uh, that that he said he hopes that they show up. I, I mean, the team at the time is 1-5. and five. Now they're 1-6. and six. They got embarrassed on Monday Night Football against the New England Patriots. What do you what do you want the owner to do? Give him a pat on the back and say, yeah, we're, I, I like the direction that the team is going? I, di- I didn't mind at all that Johnson was uh, sounded a, a little bit disappointed in the way the team has performed so far and, and lacking confidence in the team going forward. Because you know what? If he was confident with this team right now, if he was confident with their leadership and the, the, org- the, the direction that the organization is going, I would have a bigger problem with that as a Jets fan because then I'd be concerned that, you know what, maybe he maybe he really does have an endless amount of trust and support for Adam Gase. And you know what, right now at 1-6, and six, the way Darnold looks, the way this team looks, I don't want that endless amount of support for Adam Gase. I want to know that he might be on the hot seat. I want to know that if they lose to the Dolphins this week, lose to the Giants next week, maybe he will lose his job because he'd be deserving of it. But I think with the Jets, Adam Gase sees a sinking ship right now. He sees a sinking ship. And he's trying to paint the picture that the ship is filled with dead weight, and he's trying to throw that all overboard. And he's trying to put the blame on the past general manager. He's trying to put the blame on Mike McCagnan, who deserves plenty of blame because God knows the drafting and the free agent acquisitions were awful for McCagnan. He built a brutal team. But I think in return, rather than trying to highlight the good players that McCagnan did bring on to the Jets and highlight the talent that the Jets do have, Gase is trying to hide that, and Gase is trying to put the blame on every single player that McCagnan had, and he's trying to put his own stamp on the team, and he's trying to build his own team, and he's just trying to strip it down to the studs and rebuild it from the bottom up, and if that means get rid of the talent that he has, if that means get rid of Le'Veon Bell, if that means get rid of Jamal Adams, if that means get rid of Sam Darnold, that is my ultimate concern, but I, I don't think it's as crazy of a statement as maybe some other people do. 
But the Jets right now are a dysfunctional group from the owner to the general manager to the coach to the players all the way down onto the bottom. The Jets are a dysfunctional group, and they're looking to place the blame on Mike McCagnin. And I don't know where the, the leadership is going to come to to actually get this this Jets team out of the out of the mess that they're in. Maybe, maybe it is Joe Douglas. I, I hope it is. He was certainly highly regarded as a potential general manager when, when he was with the Philadelphia Eagles. They brought him in here. It's still it's incredibly early, but that, that doesn't take away from the fact that he did he did nothing to to help the team. He brought in Ryan Khalil. He brought in Demarius Thomas, two pretty disappointing acquisitions. I, I mean, I didn't have that high expectations for Demarius, but Ryan Khalil has certainly had some higher expectations, giving him $8 million, giving an all-pro offensive lineman, an all-pro center $8 million. You'd expect some sort of production out of Ryan Khalil, but you're not getting it. And what Joe Douglas did was he walked into a bad situation and he was able to do nothing to improve it. Nothing at all. And I know he didn't have a lot of time. He was here after free agency, after the draft, but you would expect maybe a, maybe a trade or two to try to get a cornerback, a trade or two to try to get an offensive lineman, to try to protect Sam Darnold, but none of that. You didn't get any of that from Joe Douglas. And what signifies a good coach, what signifies a great coach is the ability to coach the talent that you have, not the ability to force the talent that you have into your own system. And if it doesn't work, you just push them aside. Bill Belichick, he coaches to the talent that he has. Sometimes they're a great offensive team. Sometimes they're a great defensive team. Sometimes they're a running team. Sometimes they're a passing team. Pat Riley, he coached the talent that he had. Sometimes in the NBA, he had great defensive teams. Sometimes he had great offensive teams. Adam Gase, forces players into his system. If they don't fit, he tries to get rid of them, like Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell is a great football player, and the Jets are not taking advantage of his talents. Adam Gase refuses to attempt to take advantage of Le'Veon Bell's talents. He refuses to try to maximize Le'Veon Bell's talents. 13 touches against the Jaguars? Are you kidding me? But I find it incredibly hard to believe that this is the best Adam Gase could do, that, that he can't figure out a way to protect Sam Darnold better, that he can't figure out a way to utilize Le'Veon Bell better. I, I just, I, I can't believe that every single week we're seeing the best game plan in terms of utilizing the talent that he has versus just trying to force players into a system. And if they don't fit, we, we push them aside and ignore the other abilities that they might have. And I certainly wasn't shocked that the Jets were shopping Le'Veon Bell and Jamal Adams. Honestly, I'm more surprised with the the way the rumors went down. I'm more surprised that one of the deals did not get done for Le'Veon Bell or Jamal Adams and that they are still both on the team. But I would be absolutely stunned if one or both of the players are still on the team come 2020. When training camp hits for the National Football League in 2020, I would be shocked if Bell and or Adams are still on the New York Jets because I, I don't think Gase wants them to be here. And I think that I, I also don't really know that they want to be here. I, I don't if, if Bell isn't getting utilized, why would he want to be? And he's been he's been a, a role model citizen for the Jets so far. He hasn't complained one bit and he has every right to at this point with a one in six team, the way he's being used and the offensive line that he, he's trying to run through. He has every right to be upset, but he hasn't done any complaining. He hasn't been a, a, an issue in the locker room at all. Give him a ton of credit for that. But that that certainly doesn't mean that he wants to be here. And if the Jets don't want him, I think a, a deal certainly would get done before the start of next year. And same with Jamal Adams. We talked about this right after week two, after the loss against the Cleveland Browns, when he scrubbed all of the uh, the Jets stuff off of his social media. We knew that he didn't want to be here, and he's complained about the losing, which rightfully so. He's a good player, and he's on a brutal team again. And, and it doesn't look like it's going to get better anytime in the near future. So if he doesn't really want to be here, and the Jets don't really want any Mike McCagg, 
McAgnum players, which I, I strongly believe they don't want any Mike McAgnum players on this team. I think that they'll get rid of him as well. And then, like I said, the, the, the concerning thing is what happens if it comes down to a power struggle of Gason Douglas versus Sam Darnold. Uh, and my the only thing in my mind right now, looking at the way the organization is currently run going forward in the next couple of years, the only thing that's going to stop Adam Gase from trying to trade Sam Darnold at some point in the next year or two is going to be Adam Gase getting fired. And that should be the outcome versus Sam Darnold getting traded. Adam Gase has not earned the right to completely strip this team down and get rid of the quarterback as well and you just hope that the ownership group feels feels the same way but hey the one good thing the nfl trade deadline was really exciting i I think it surpassed major league baseball's trade deadline in in terms of excitement the one deal that did get made leonard williams trading him to the giants for a third and a fifth potentially a third and a fourth i have no problem with that i've spoke about that for a couple weeks i wanted to get rid of leonard williams they they weren't going to sign him at the end of the year so it didn't make sense to keep him here on a one and one and six team if they were a playoff team then sure you keep him on the team but a one and six team that's not going to sign the free agent at the end of the year then you trade leonard williams and if the giants were given the best package then you deal him to the giants you don't you don't because it's weird yeah i certainly didn't see that coming i i especially since the Giants, it's not like they're making a push for the playoffs at two and six. Apparently, they're going to plan to sign Williams at the end of the year, but they could have done that without trading for him. So why give up the third and the fifth? I I didn't really understand from the Giants' perspective, but from the Jets' perspective, it made sense to me. I didn't mind that deal at all. Uh, I had a major issue a couple of years ago when the Mets wouldn't trade Jay Bruce to the Yankees just because he was trading him to the Crosstown rival and just because they were going to be playing in a Subway Series in a couple of weeks. They had a, a late Subway Series in August that year. So I, I just because the Jets are going to be playing the Giants in two weeks, Leonard Williams being traded to the Giants, to me, it doesn't really matter. And Leonard Williams could come in here, and you know what? For all we know, maybe he'll have a, a big game against the Jets. But it wasn't happening for Leonard Williams on the Jets. So if they were not going to sign him, then trade him, get what you could get, get the best offer, even if that means that it's coming from the New York Giants who you're going to play in a couple of weeks. We're right up against the 20-minute mark, but a lot going on right now, and uh, we'll have another podcast out in time for the Dolphins game. Thanks for listening to the Brandon Condes Jets podcast on SB Nation. Be good.